Alright, welcome back to this week's episode of Men of the Machine. I'm Kevin. And I'm Craig. And today, I'm really happy you just said I'm Craig like I was... I didn't want to have to introduce you again like I did last <laughs> time. I don't think I can match that level of expertise uh, very often. Lightning in a bottle and what what have you. And uh, yeah, today we're going to talk uh, Watchmen Chapter 2, or Issue 2, whatever the F you want. I think our, we, our trades are identical. Yep. Yours is a little bit newer that you're reading from. You can tell by the shitty DC logo they updated it to on the spine. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the more modern. Not a fan. They're like, we need to make more money. Right, right. So let's just keep reprinting it. And this one is the shitty one I found for $2 at Goodwill that I bought to lend to people. Oh, wow. Win-win. That is a really good deal. Yeah, why not? I've seen this thing everywhere. It's been printed out of its gosh darn mind. So today, we're moving on to the second issue of Watchmen. I think we forgot to introduce the third person right, in the room sorry guest number three uh is he loves to so if, if you know our friend kyle he prefers the name big strong guy kyle yep well this here is the big gay toby and he's a sweetie who just loves men yeah that's okay he's also a cat just to make sure they already knew it yeah they could tell by the soft warm environment they can hear in our voices that's true because cats make you comfy that that is true he's just in my lap being all gay and cat oh if i had all the facts on me i would i would use that as a nice icebreaker for the episode uh what what is your understanding of what a cat's purr is what what well what it is we know what it is but why they do it oh i actually don't know i I almost said that it's to communicate with humans, but then I remember that's meowing. So That's the meows, the morows, or the nyan nyan. Yeah. Uh, nyan. Well, take take your best guess, and I'll give you a couple of the ones I know that are theories. Uh, To signal that they trust you? Mm, that is actually probably one of them, I think, but no. Um, although, supposedly, uh, you know when dogs and cats do the the eyes open and close while they're looking at you. They're yeah. real soft. Supposedly that's like a, a, a nod of, hey, we're cool. We're cool. We're cool. But anyways, the per- uh, there's a couple different ones. One is um, it's the way they uh, talk to like their mother and stuff. It's how their mother lets them know it's okay. So then they adapt it as sort of a, hey, everything's cool. Everything's calm. Everything's collected. Let me purr. There's one really insane one about them using it to heal. Hmm. Like, there was a study done on cats that are injured. How they? I really hope for the study they didn't injure the cats first. I'm hoping this was just a, oh no, your cat's injured. Can we just record some stuff? That's, or they just pick some up from the pound. Yeah, but hope the ones from the pound shouldn't be injured. They don't let you take those ones home. They they have to let them heal first. Oh, animal? Well, animal shop. I don't I don't I don't know where her, her I don't know where they bring her cats. Okay, that's not my to, job. To the vet. And then to the shelter. Okay. But point is, that was one of them, that it helps them heal. Uh, and then the other one, I don't remember. And, and that's then they why would just go I to the vet. This. Yeah, what? There's a ghost in the room. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. The house is haunted. Tell Courtney that. Make sure she knows the house oh, is haunted. We get into arguments about ghosts all the time, because I'm personally not a ghosty yeah. guy. Uh, and she doesn't like, oh, she said something the other day. She was trolling me. All right, last icebreaker before we move in. She was trolling me, and she knew it, and it really ticked me off, but we were talking about astrology. I hate it. I hate horoscopes. I hate all that Chinese year of whatever animal you are. I hate all the nonstop bullshit about, oh, I'm a Taurus, so I'm stubborn, and you can't get in my way. I thought that means you're a car. Also true. Yeah. A Ford Taurus. is oh, a, Ford Yeah, Ford. right, right. I left a <laughs> Ford off. Uh, 
and it drove me nuts. And then at work, she was we were talking about um, the moon and you know the cycles it's in and all that kind of stuff. And she was like, "Well, you know, I'm in a slightly different mood because the sun, the moon is whatever." And then I got all upset. And her her troll response to me was, "Well, you know." the moon can affect the oceans and we're 90 percent water so it makes sense that it would affect us too and i was like oh just i got so mad i got first off the body is not 75 percent water which is the common fact that's such horseshit yes if you strained us of our hydrogen and oxygen molecule molecules and paired them two to one yes 75 percent water but we're not just sloshing jelly bags over here there's not just water flowing all over. We the don't place. have an alchemist circle on the ground. No, this is stupid. And two, that's not how tides work. It's not just like, hey, it, hey, tides go in, tides come tides out. You can't down. explain that. I gosh. Yeah, yes, we can, Mister O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. we, we can explain tides. Oh, it just made me so. Uh, that's how you get me. I really, I will, I will humor religion and and paranormal and all that kind of funny stuff. Don't play with astrology. Speaking of religion, mm-hmm. we begin the issue mm-hmm. with a priest at a graveyard. Nice segue. Uh, this issue as a whole, way more emotional weight than the first issue. Oh, yeah. Definitely one of the heavier ones in the book. Oh, that's not true. The whole book is heavy as hell, but at least for... Oh, no, it doesn't feel that heavy. Oh, 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 oh. I wish I had a little desk. Yeah, that dad joke is for Chris, who sits next to me at work. This dad joke brought to you by... Chris, what's his last name? Uh, Clark. Christopher Clark. Christopher Cross Clark. He sings the lovely song Sailing that you've heard many times in your life, which brings us back to the tides. Sailing, take me away. I don't know the words after that. Neither do I. Ah, I got in over my head. Just like if you fall into the ocean, we got a theme going. All right. Going for a circle. (laughs) We're We're going all ocean today. Billy Ocean. Featuring... Bill Collins. She's an easy lover. She gets a hold on you. You're not joining in. <laughs> I don't know. It's Billy the Ocean words. and Phil Collins, baby. I'm uh my music I'm, knowledge is very limited to certain niche 80s pop. I don't listen to 80s pop. That's what you need to expand to because that's my life, man. I don't like He also 80s. sings Caribbean Queen that he Decides to turn into Caribbean Queen, which is a very weird way of saying it. Caribbean? No. Caribbean Queen! Yeah, yeah that's how yeah. he says it for the song, because it fits the, yeah. you know, what he's doing. Full circle, Billy Ocean. So, yeah, we start this. Do you know the the verse that they are saying at the funeral? Oh, no. so, so this... I, it's, it's very familiar, but I am not very theologically knowledgeable there's one spot in specific where you're like oh that verse and yeah it's... the ashes the ashes dust dust and yeah. then in the sh- shadow of death yeah blah 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 amen you know yeah, yeah as i walk through the valley of the shadow of death yeah take yeah, a it, look it's... at my life and realize there's nothing left because <laughs> i've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mom would think that you know that one yeah cool yeah, you'll cool, pa- paradise yeah my boy and that's also the the one from um pulp fiction right that he's... It's probably been like more than a decade since I've seen that movie. Oh, Craggy baby. I'm pretty sure that's Sam Jackson's what he says, because I know he says the... As I yeah, walk... yeah, he does have a verse that he says, but... I'm pretty sure it's that one. Bible stuff. Yeah. Do I, <laughs> do I look like I would know Bible stuff? It's 
Like, would I be someone with that as a name? What, if, what is my last name Bible or something? <laughs> yes. But your middle name is Heathen, so it works out. Yeah, yeah sure, let's go with yeah. that. Craig of the Heathen Bible. You never heard that before? I thought it was Craigery. Okay, too many. What did too I many, say? Back on track. Back on so, track. Uh, you said Craigothy. That's what I meant. Uh, so it's uh, taking place. We're, we're finally uh, addressing the funeral of Edward Blake, the comedian. And this is like, we'll see this two or three times in this issue where it's a back and forth scene where one panel is one scene and another panel is the yeah. other. And that's so, what I talked yeah. about in the first issue, how much I liked it. The text overlays with, it's not always you're reading two different stories on the page. No, you're watching one story and you're hearing the other and it just so happens the themes go together. It's kind of yeah. like an episode of Scrubs where at the end, one person's issue also solved JD's big issue. Kind of that thing going on. Yeah, so right now this scene is, the conversation is in California between Lori and her mother, Sally. Sally Jupiter. They're both the Silk Spectres, while the other scene we're seeing is an introduction to the Eddie Blake. Yeah, it's specifically uh, Dr. Manhattan showing up to it. And And he's wearing clothes! Well, you know what I like about it so much? He's the only one in color at first. There's like... This is one of those things, um, Sin City did it a lot, Frank Miller's, uh, one of his big works, where you specifically gray tone the background so that the things you want show out. So there's oh. two things. And the, uh, the rose. Well, so that's what I was okay. going to say. There's two big things that show color throughout this. There's the character that you're supposed to be looking at, in this case, John, and the color red. It don't, not only shows it on the roses, on the guy's hat as well. And the hair of the hair of the man with the end is nigh sign. Exactly. But we're getting ahead of each so, ourselves. So, or, or even down here when you're looking at um, the uh, hearse pull up with Eddie yep. in a coffin, everything that's red is pronounced. There's other colors. It's not literally black and white. It's kind of like this gray, purpley, tan. There's a couple like dull colors, but red and Dr. Manhattan are always pronounced, which is yep. pretty cool. So is... um. Well, we're not there yet. Yeah, you're right. right. So, uh, basically, she shows up to her mother's house, and she's talking about how she's just got done throwing up because teleporting makes her feel uh, uneasy, makes her tummy upset, which actually I think they say later in the book, too, someone else experiences teleportation kind of funky. Oh, I would totally do that trade, like... If I could tell, teleport everywhere, but maybe I'll vomit, sure, let's go for oh, it. Oh, yeah, totally. I'll carry a bucket with me. But also... Um, or I'll just, you know teleport right next to my enemy and just start puking barf on him every time you want to teleport you teleport first to the person you hate most and then where you want to go that way you can get all the barfing out on that person mine's a man named dan i hate him i only hate one man in this world legitimately there's lots of people i have gripes with i only hate one man and i would barf all over his there's shoes. a lot of dance that's why i like to keep it generic just so you know hey which dan is it is it someone i know now is it someone I knew in the past? Someone I went to school with? If Better not listen- be Gabby. Gabby's a good guy. If you're listening to this and your name, Dan- Dan's a big gay boy, but I love him. Hmm. But maybe I hate him because I didn't clarify. So keep the tables turning. But anyways, the point is, the issue uh, at the funeral, Sally and Lori are talking about... Sa- Sally's, or Lori's such a, such a lying little punk-ass kid. She's trying to hide from her mother the fact that John's at a funeral for the comedian. Yep. 
Eddie Blake. Yeah, and of course she knows this. She reads the news. Yeah. This massive... Uh, the newspaper, because that's how you get your news in 1985. Yeah. The only thing that's question- curious is Edward Blake was a nobody. The comedian was a somebody. Yep. But Edward Blake was a nobody, so why all the way over in California would they have it in the newspaper? Let's not worry about that. Okay? Let's just not let's not worry about that. Huh. Yeah, you're right. Didn't think about that. But nobody did, and it's a small world, and everything's chaotic, so someone getting murdered, you know, whatever. Maybe it's a big deal. Um... But they point out over and over again in this issue, and it's actually important at the end, everyone has to say some sort of quip uh, pun line about the comedian and how he's in on the joke. And they do this on purpose. It's not just like uh, tacky writing for the sake of a buttumts on every joke. But like she's like, um, uh, Eddie Blake, I guess he finally reached the punchline, huh? Poor Eddie. Like that kind of stuff shows up throughout this issue. 30 times yeah, someone always says it but that's important because at the end when we were when it reveals more about eddie's like last few days and whatnot um he was breaking is what it was so anyways we don't you know she's just like oh shut up Lori, don't try to hide this from me and Lori's pissed off and she's like well mom how can you possibly care after- mother mother sorry Ooh, yeah. good point you only call me mother when you're angry <laughs> well that's because she's a terrible kid so um She's really pissed at her, and that's because this is where it reveals that the comedian sexually assaulted Lori, or uh, Sally, in a pretty graphic way, because this is the issue where we see it. Oh, yeah. And they did not hold back. No, they didn't. At all. Oh, yeah, this is a very graphic uh, uh, issue. Multiple things of of high profile, which, again, I feel like is really important, because the entire backdrop is the funeral. Like, you could make this either sad or boring as all hell. The point is... Everybody is both really sad the comedian's gone and is really happy the comedian's gone because of how terrible of a person he is. Which is why I said right before we got uh, to recording, I was like, I can't tell if Alan Moore really loves this character or really hates this character. The thing is, as we go in and we see the things he does, he's pretty awful. But the way he talks and acts... He's more bearable than Warshak. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a little more charismatic, but also um, his, <laughs> I guess for no lack of better, whatever, his delivery of how he tells you, Warshak's just like, yeah, I'm an asshole and you're a bad person. Comedian's like, hey, you're a bad person and that's okay. Still gonna shoot you. And he goes about his day. <laughs> he's really fucked up in that regard. But uh, back to the scene. They're kind of going over it, and obviously Lori, as a, as a younger person who has only heard the base story, is super pissed off, as she should be. Sexual assault's no joke. But the mom's kind of like, the mother is kind of like, eh, time has gone. Pa- time has passed. Uh, the, the big stuff seems smaller now. Yeah, it's hard to really dwell on something that happened 40 years ago. Right, and this is one of the things that actually got Alan Moore in hot water when writing the book, is basically like, she forgave him entirely. And this is even before the big reveal. Like, she's kind of just like, yeah, you know what? He did that, and he's terrible, but you shouldn't worry about it. You shouldn't You shouldn't fret over this. I do think Lori had a pretty good response, though. Like, Du Chow was 40 years ago, but we still give a fuck about it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly it. It's, it's... Oh, it's Dao Chow. I don't I've, actually I've always called it Dacau. Dacau? Yeah. Maybe that's... But I've never heard that, especially because there's a million and one jokes about Dacau that are really insensitive. But anyways, um, yeah. I'm not German. I don't speak. You're also not Jewish. 
so you're not affected by it. So what you're saying is, you're a terrible anti-Semite, and I won't be on this with no Jew haters. Well, I don't have the beard anymore. Huh, good point. Oh, no, I do. That's probably why I said Jew hater so loud. Yeah. Oh, Yeah, it's snap. Jewish. Sorry, Jewish You insensitive hater. fuck. That's on me. That's on me. But hey, I'm half Mexican, so... Oh, okay. That that yeah. That clears half of it. Immigrant <laughs> over here. I mean, uh, uh. oh no, ice is coming. <laughs> God, that would be terrible. Yeah. It would did, be. Now, did you say ice is coming or ice is coming? Because <laughs> pretty important distinction there. Ice is. Ice is coming. Okay. Way different. Too cold. Too cold. I don't know. Oh, ice, ice, baby. Yeah. Got it. Okay, well, now I'm on the outside of understanding the reference. Now I feel like a jerk. Also, the on the, what is this, the, the fourth page, we get mm-hmm. the title, which oh. is Absent Friends. Right, 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 right. The way they do that's pretty cool on these issues. It's not on the first, I mean, they do that a lot in comics, but it's not on the first page. But it's also it's also not Keep going. Um, highlighted by all the nonsense, like writer, uh, artist, penciler, yada, yada. This book, through and through... Is basically just read the book, like you know. I'm sure you've read other comic books. They always have to show everything under the sun: the publisher, the company, advertisements, yada yada. Yeah. Watchmen is just Watchmen. If it does tell you, it's very small. On my issues, I think it says it in like one spot. Um, but here's another one of those things we talked about in the first issue, where the thing that's being said by the one is important to the other. Um. So you know, for example, when uh, she says it's history on the first panel. Uh, Lori, uh, Sally says that it's the casket being carried across and you're like okay so he's clearly gone or when she says life goes on honey life goes on that's the homeless guy with the end is nigh sign standing outside the funeral so everything like that they, they keep that that trend I guess that that theme alive throughout this issue for a couple times uh, and the, on the next page it says he said he oh yeah she's talking about how he was the youngest because the comedian was the only character or the only one of only two characters who was on both teams uh, from the Minutemen to the Crime Busters I think they call themselves um, yeah that's the name that they get the Crime Busters I was like oh okay so Watchmen isn't actually like the name of the team exactly um, that's just something the people call them. And we'll see that later. There's punks spray painting onto a wall who watches who the watches. Who watches the Watchmen? Right. And the answer is me and Kevin. But we watch the Watchmen. He was like, we do. We do watch. Well, a couple times, actually, over and over again. Uh, he was the youngest because he was like, it says it somewhere in one of these books. He was 16 or 18 when he joined the yeah. Minutemen when everyone else was in their 30s. And uh, he is 61 when at time of death. Yeah, yeah. when he passes. And she, you know, it says he said he'd bury us, and that's when they're placing the flag on his grave. So, pretty cool stuff. But anyways, this is literally just a reminiscent talk between uh, mother and daughter about how terrible he was. Toby, you little gay boy, you can't do that. Yeah, that's his box. He loves it. Well, let's get the crimpleys out at least. Yeah. You can go nuts. There you go, little gay boy. I do now notice, now that I'm looking at this the second time through, that in most of the panels, you do see the roses, the uh, the rose bouquet. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, they're constantly showing that in the foreground or the background, actually. Like in the uh, page panel down there, it's in the foreground. But Yeah, and of course, uh, it's not just um, uh, Dr. Manhattan, but... There's only three people at the funeral of note, I guess I should say. Yeah, uh... 
Ozymandias and Night Owl 2, which Adrian Veidt is yep. Ozzy and uh, what is uh, I forgot. Dan Dreiberg. 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 Danny Boy, yeah. Danny Boy. Sad sack Danny. He's the guy I hate. Oh. That's the one. I, no, I'm just kidding. I love to watch. But yeah, they're the ones in color as well as everything that's red and the casket and then all the people, background, umbrellas, nonsense is all like grayscale. So they're talking about the comedian. They're talking about everything they've been through. And she shows uh, Lori a little flip, flip book, a little picture book. Oh, Byron Lewis. Yeah. Oh, it says it up here too. Yeah. Uh, yep, um, in the bug house in Maine. Byron Lewis is the Mothman. Mothman, yeah. He actually has a really awesome part in Doomsday Clock. I'm excited. That's my favorite issue so far of Doomsday Clock, so when Ooh. we get there, it'll be really cool. That will be good. Uh, so she shows her this little uh, flip book, a little comic of... A Tijuana Bible. Yeah, from Tijuana. That's smut. It's just, you know, someone drew Sally Jupiter having... Er, sorry, Miss Jupiter having sex and being lewd and boobies out well you get specifically to see, silk specter you get to see little boobies yeah because that's what's important in these sorts of look things. at those very tiny nipples there we go that's what gets us going if you thought this would be a nipple free podcast i'm <coughs> sorry but you are wrong we're shirtless right now yeah. both of us uh so there's actually six nipples available at the moment till that's we flip the page that's true and then the number cuts by a third well, yes quick maths maths and she's, uh, you know, Sally, or Lori, sorry, Sally Jupiter, but Lori is such You're a... You're going to get people so confused. It's all over the place, man. Lori, the current Silk Spectre, the young one, she's up in arms. If you've seen the movie, it's pretty spot on. How could you do... Oh my God, why will oh, you slut? Well, okay, why no, are you she, showing me your titties, yeah, mother? Shouldn't have gone that far with what I said, but... and. It, it kind of sticks to what the mother, her character is like, because she's basically just saying it, it's super flattering, which I got to agree with with the mother here. She like this was back in she's growing old and she knows it. Um, it's pointed out a few times that she's self-conscious about her age and death and stuff like that. So she just thinks it's great that back in the day when she was hot, people are still thinking of her today. Yeah, people like, be oh. their meat to her. Yeah, that's. Someone out there is masturbating to you right now. I am very flattered because I... And that I, feels good. Who would masturbate to me? Someone. Apparently. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> Stan. It's probably Dan. Which Dan Dan going to leave up in the air? It's but Gabby. It's totally Gabby. What am I saying? He, uh... He, no, no, we're not talking about Gabby, but... Um, and that's just, you know, kind of nice, but Lori is still, you know, totally turned off by it. And not a fan, but that's okay, because this is one of the really cool transitions in this issue. Uh, her exact words are, you know, Lori, I'm 65. Every day the future looks a little brighter, a little bit darker, but the past, even the grimy parts of it, well, it just keeps on getting brighter all the time. And the, the panel kind of zooms out to a flash off, like a, like a reflection off a picture frame, and then all of a sudden it becomes a camera, and then you're, you know, in the past. It's, we're being told the story from the Minutemen's first big meeting uh no not first big meeting no 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 this is 1940 sorry this is well after the fact this is after all of the publicity's already happened yep the group's uh, uh what do you call it um, established there it is that's the word i was gonna go for uh you have mothman you have dollar bill you have captain metropolis the comedian uh sally Ju or miss jupiter what do they, what do they call herself six foot silk specter there it is silk specter I, I her hair's her the same 
Yeah, but now, but it's red back then. Yeah. Uh, Hooded Justice, Night Owl, and I can the silhouette. Yep, the silhouette. Um, and they're basically just all like they got their picture taken. They're Did kinda... you mention Dollar Bill? Yeah. Okay. Cool, Mothman cool. Dollar. I read him from left oh, to right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and they're just talking over, you know, oh, wow, this picture just happened. Hopefully, and Sally says back then, you know, do you really think I'll look that good in it? Do you think people will like me? And everyone's like, oh, of course they're, and she's, oh, this is important too, because in the first one, we find out that they changed their name, uh, Lori and her mother, so they changed their name from, I can't remember what, to what it is now. I think it's just specific. Right. And then they updated it to Jupiter. And she's like, I wouldn't know what the Polish people think. Because yeah, this is in 1940, so this is during World War II. Hitler's doing some big Hitler stuff. And yeah, she just has, you know, they're like, oh, is it, what, what do you think about this, huh, Silk Spectre? And she's like, well, I wouldn't have any idea what the Polish people would think. Because she's trying to hide it. Cause, uh, and actually, we find out later during our Under the Hood, when we're reading those few pages from his thing, pre-World War II, Hitler was like the shit you know he was hot yep um so people were like propping up his decisions oh that hitler like that. he's so hot right now yeah he's so hot right now so at this time you know they're breakdance fighting this is right after the polish invasion right didn't that happen in 39 or something 40 yeah around then it was right then so yeah this would be right during then so hitler wasn't quite the evil of the world but he was obviously really fucked up so yeah she's still yeah, trying to hide it the olympics was 1938 yeah, yeah, and that was in Germany, right? Yep. Yeah. That's uh, where Jesse Owens uh, won his race. And uh, Hitler was not happy about it because he had to see a black man be better than the Germans at something. <sighs> the Aryans. Mm. Dirtbags, all of them. Technically, Germans are Aryans. Aryans are like uh, Iranians. Germans are Germanic. Right. Hitler was not a smart man. No, <laughs> but he knew how to murder. Oh, yeah. Like a motherfucker, he knew how to murder. And talk... Not well, but in a convincing manner for dumb people. Loud and angry. Yeah. Uh, it's it's this kind of really unpopular in modern society rhetoric where you just kind of scream passionate responses and remarks hoping to get a rise out of people. Yep. And, and you just go favorite. through a list. Okay, they're not responding to the Jewish people. How about the Polish? Yeah. The Slavs? Uh, the Roma? Wait, he would say gypsy because he's an awful person. Right, right. And back then, racism was cool. Yep. Uh, oh, it was super cool. They were all pan-Germanism. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing we don't have to deal with that in today's day and age, and I just really appreciate that. So, uh, anyways, on to the book. Not a political podcast, Craig. Yeah. Uh, not a political except thing. against Hitler. It's not a political stance to be against Hitler. Yeah. That's just being whoa, whoa, whoa. less life. There's good people on both sides, Kevin. There's not good people on both sides, specifically the Hitler side. That's uh, the side you don't want to be on. I don't know. Uh, um, some, some, someone in particular would say different. So, Mr. Craig trying to stir up some controversy on the cast. Oh, I stir it oh, up so boy. much. Uh, you know, they're talking about it, and they're kind of just kind of jostling around, usual nonsense stuff. Hey, and, watch the wings! Well, yeah, and Captain Metropolis is like, you know what, everybody... Uh, it's worth noting as well that comedians in his old school uniform, which we haven't seen yet, except yep. for in a flashback picture in the first issue, it's like this yellow jumpsuit. That's really all it is. It actually doesn't look that different from Ozymandias' uh, updated one just with inverse colors. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. But anyways, she's like, all right, uh, Captain Metropolis is like, hey, everybody, let's let's let's, let's get on out of here. Let's go get a beer at the, at the, what do they call it, the owl's nest. And she's like, all right, you guys go on ahead. I got to change. She goes to her room, and this is where you get the freaking 
super graphic scene that I don't really want to describe too much. I'm just going to say that this first picture of her undressing, Mm -hmm. that where it's looking really unflattering, I'm just assuming they don't really know how to draw women that well. Well, that's definitely one thing, but also in the 40s, that was like the most salacious lingerie that could exist. No, I mean like... All the like the lines and whatnot and oh, the very bulky build. It's to make her yeah look a little more. Um, you know how like ragged. You look at like Michelangelo's statues of women, and mm. it's really apparent that he didn't know what a woman looked like, so he just took a male statue and threw some titties on it. Exactly. That that's sort of what that this one it, panel reminds it also, me. It also kind of fits now because you get it a lot later, like when he's punching her in the stomach, um, <laughs> because. Uh, that's kind of the uh, art style and, and like visual decisions they made is that everything is really... Everything that is supposed to be average is slightly uglier than it should be. And there's only like two quote-unquote beautiful things in this book. And that's like Dr. Manhattan with like the perfect male physique and Ozymandias, the perfect man in the world. Um, other than that, everything is kind of like grim and fucking toned down like even comedian later on when he's in vietnam you see they already gave him the gray hair yeah the five o'clock shadow he looks wrecked or when he's crying and they show the scars like really oh yeah pronounced. oh like, he looks so they ugly. overdo it um and i feel like maybe that's just part of gary frank be. and what he or not gary frank oh my god i'm uh, so dave sorry gibbons. dave gibbons gary frank is doing doomsday clock oh oh gosh my bad which his art is so good but not the point yeah so yeah but not to go too specific because like you said this is really graphic pretty much uh if you've seen any movie with some asshole dude that's like a woman says no but he's like oh you mean yes and then he tries to well he sexually assault he tries to justify it you know oh he she's like you knew i was changing he's like yeah you said it loud enough she's like no he says oh you mean no spelled y anyways then they fight she rips his eyes out and then he just brutal that that, i think that's the part that's most important so obviously the attempt at rape is absolutely atrocious but they don't slow down the assault like the physical assault. he punches her he kicks her he does all this terrible stuff and it uses the full two-page spread to show you that and then all of a sudden the justice shows up because he's like sally what's taking so long um and just kicks the shit out of the comedian uh, you can see the comedian's like pants are down and whatnot. So he punches him and all that. And then this is where comedian, this is like the first step at showing you the comedian's like mentality besides the obvious terribleness that just happened. And while he's getting the crap kicked out of him, his face is bleeding. You know, he decides to point out, oh, you know what? This is what you like, huh? This is what gets you hot. Mm. Which again, I'm really surprised. The movie took exact dialogue from this book, which is just a r- really nice of them. They obviously had to do other stuff, but um that's on point so after saying that that which this is the part that is kind of like a two part like a double fucking weirdness to the to the situation at hand is obviously this terrible thing's happened he beats up uh, the comedian the comedian says something that throws him off and then he just tells him to get out comedian says i just like i want to read this one He's like, oh, sure, sure, I'm going, but I got your number, see? And one of these days, the joke's going to be on you. And he just yells, get out. Which, again, like earlier when she says, he he always thought he had the upper hand. He always thought he had the last laugh. He always thought he would be the one to bury everyone else. He's being a tool. But this is where it's fucked up. The, ho- the hooded justice, she's on the ground. And he's like, get up, and for God's sakes, cover yourself. It's like, dude, you know what was just happening, right? Yep. Like, in order to get dressed... 
you are naked at one point and you put clothes on. She got stopped in that by the worst of all sorts of things. And then that's still how you like what? That's that's kind of an issue. I don't a panel. I, I don't really understand what it was trying to tell me. I don't well, understand what Elmore is going for here. Yeah, we'll learn a, a little bit more about Hooded Justice when we get to uh, uh, under uh, was it underneath the hood? Under the hood, yeah. Yeah, under the hood. Um, but this is actually a really nice back-to-back panel. So the Hooded Justice just says this fucked up thing to her after she just experienced that and immediately flashes you to one of the pages of the Tijuana Bible thing that she says. Um, oh, um, say, baby, this is top. Yeah, of her getting banged by some dude and Lori calling out how gross it is, <laughs> how vile it is. And... Uh, it's not, I mean, I don't know. That This is one of the things that got Alan Moore in trouble, and it is one of the things, it's probably one of the hardest sections to read as far as, like, squirm factor. You're just like, ooh, ugh, uh. why am I seeing this? Why is it saying it in this way? But, eh, whatever. It's the story. I don't really know what else to say about it. Um, But then, freaking Sally goes on the offensive. So, you know, Lori's going on about how pissed off she is, and then uh, the mom is like, Anyway, oh, oh, this is one thing Lori does. You know, don't you care about your image? And the mom goes, the mother goes, anyways, what about your image? At least I don't sleep with an H-bomb. <laughs> and this is something that also uh, Sally said, or Lori said herself when she was kind of venting to Dan and, and Rorschach said earlier when he was uh, addressing John or Dr. Manhattan and her. It's everyone is aware that she's only kept around to keep Dr. Manhattan comfy. Which yep. is really fucked up, but that's... Hey, he needs his peace unless, unless he blows up. Yeah, no, you ain't kidding. And then she's like, uh, oh yeah, that's what she says. Lori freaks out. John is not an H-bomb. And the mom goes, honey, the only difference is that they didn't have to get the H-bomb laid every once in a while. That's not something you say to your daughter. <laughs> Oof. Jesus. Yeah. Which, well, in her defense, Lori had not been nice up to this point, so I guess lashing out's fine. But I think it is also set up that uh, Sally's not the ideal mother. No, no, not at all. No, well, Sally's not a good mom. Lori's not a good daughter. The relationship, which the end of the book tries to rectify, um, is less than healthy. Yeah. Uh, not only were they, uh, which we I think they talked about earlier. I know they definitely talk about it later. Sally was basically forced into being a costume fighter. She didn't want to be. So, or Lori, sorry, sorry, sorry. The current um, Silk Spectre. She was kind of forced into it. Yeah. And the mother obviously had vanity issues and... It's one of those mothers that like who was a pageant queen during her time and she's past that. She's past her prime, but so she lives vicariously through her daughter. And the daughter's the pageant. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Or the the dad that never made it into college football, so now the kid has to train every day. Yep. It's really kind of that messed up thing. But then we move into this is what I would call the second act of the of the issue. Yeah, so which is we are gonna like uh, follow a familiar pattern where we're gonna go through a lot of the main characters and it'll flash back to yeah who the comedian was and it's in respect to the three people at the funeral and in the order they're standing actually it's Adrian Veidt, Ozymandias, and one of his interactions, jo- Doctor Manhattan, one of his interactions, and then the Night Owl and one of his interactions. Yeah, Sad Sack Danny. Sad Sack Danny, as we like to call him around here, <laughs> and uh, also. Every every single one of their three little mini stories in this in this little section starts with a passage of the Bible, you know. And this one is, "Man that is born of woman hath but a short time to live, and is full of miseries. He cometh up and is cut down like a flower. He fleeth as it were a shadow. Is that a word? Uh, 
Probably fleeth. Fleeth? As, oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Fled. Yep. Uh, as it were a shadow and never continueth in one stay. In the midst of life we are in death. Of whom may we seek... How do you say that word? Sucker. Su- it literally just sucker. But of thee, O Lord... It might be sucker. Yeah. O Lord, who for our sins are justly displeased. And then it moves into... Doctor, uh, you see Ozymandias in a suit at the funeral to Ozymandias in his costume, which is the exact opposite colors of man of of uh, the comedian. Yep, yellow jumpsuit, purple, purple jumpsuit, yellow. So pretty cool. Uh, but anyways, what they're at is they're at the first meeting of what is supposed to be the new Minutemen, uh, and the only two people there from the last group are Captain Metropolis. A little bit older his costume is dramatically outdated compared to the, everyone else's and uh i'd say just kind of average he's kind of like the dad mm. and he's talking about how uh you know you guys only know me as captain metropolis you can call me nelson gardner i think this is really the only other time we really hear from him much yeah um but this is the first meeting of the crime busters immediately a burp sound displeasure comes from also the comedian. i like how in this panel where we see all of them yeah dr manhattan with his wife looking at silk Spectre. i meant to point that out so there's actually two really big things um that are good foreshadowing for the future here uh the next panel immediately leads me into what i'm gonna say for the next one but that's number one dr manhattan looking at sally he's intrigued he's interested he's human to say the least. And he's also showing a little buttock. And he's got the underbutt, which yeah. is my personal favorite part on a person, man or woman. I like that little crease. Big fan. That's what all my Instagram is. Just my butt crease. And he, uh, and then the next one, which comes on the next page, which we'll get to though, is there's a, lo- a blurb of dialogue from Rorschach. Very, very different from what we know of Rorschach and how he talks to people and how he writes in his journal. It is fluent. It is... Oh, basic yeah. english it's it's a man talking to a group which is not what rorschach does um also in these panels he doesn't look nearly as grimy as he is in nope. current day his jacket is lighter his face is softer and he even like is using like hand gestures and stuff to talk he's checking his watch in the bottom panel like he's a normal dude more or less oh and another thing his jacket's not buttoned up his jacket is never unbuttoned and in mm. these ones, it's just kind of free flow. He's a respectful, normal dude at this point in time, um, which we get to later. Uh, but anyways, he's basically saying over and over again how stupid it is that they would even try to do this sort of situation again. Um, and all the... Uh, the comedian is, sorry, yes. I should clarify. You know, oh, I can't believe this. You guys really don't see this. This whole idea is stupid. You just want to go. And then he calls out Captain Metropolis. You just want to go out and play Cowboys and Indians again. But this is where, you know, this is important for his Adrian's flashback is Adrian's like, well, you know, uh, surely that's just an organizational problem with the right person coordinating the group, I think. Oh, and who would that be? You know, comedian calls out immediately. They have a back and forth about what is a smart person and the comedian's viewpoint, which is, it doesn't matter how smart you are, there's no right answer, everything's fucked. Yeah, basically. Yeah. The, you, when the nukes come down, you'll be the smartest man in the cinder Smartest bar. man on the cinder. I love that line. But also, he talks about, you know, uh, I think, uh, oh, that's right. He's calling out Ozymandias, and he says, I think I'm as well-informed as anyone, given correct handling. None of the world's problems are insurmountable. All it takes is a little intelligence. Again, dope foreshadowing, which he talks about later 
um, during one of his big business meetings, Adrian Vitas, is how he's trying to create um, a free, never-ending, unlimited renewable energy. And if you do that, basically every war ever is gone. If we don't need to fight over resources, we don't need to fight. So this is kind of one of those foreshadowing moments. So he's like, yeah, all it takes is a little intelligence. And he says, which you got in spades, right? And this is where he goes on a slight tirade. He sets the map on fire that Captain Metropolis set up to kind of start laying stuff out. Uh, and then dis- and leaves. And Captain Metropolis, my favorite thing in the whole thing is, so he's not mad about Comedian being an asshole about the team possibly breaking up. He's like, my display. And he's <laughs> patting the flames like, oh gosh, oh no, not my stuff. Because oh. at this point, he's old and haggard over here. Yeah, but there's something else. There's something he says in here. Ooh, I love just, you can tell that he's an old guy because new social evils emerge every day. This is when he's giving the pitch before Comedian shuts him down. Right. Promiscuity, drugs, campus subversion, you know it. Which, promiscuity, yeah, people do what they want with their body. Nope. Not your business. Nope. Drugs, also... What they do with their body, not your business. And campus subversion, oh, those kids are learning things. Is that what that is? Like learning stuff you're not supposed to be learning? Like socialism and whatnot. Ah, you name it. Yeah. This this guy is okay boomer. Yes, yes. Uh, but this is also uh, important because you see multiple personalities later on. Uh, Night Owl's relatively young at this point, but he's like, Well, let's not throw the idea away right now. Me and Rorschach have made headway into the gang problem. Later, it's pointed out that Rorschach works almost exclusively alone now. In this point in time, though, because the next thing Rorschach says is what I was talking about him being a normal dude, they're working together, which in the first issue, when they're bitching at each other, he's like, I thought we used to work together, all that nonsense. Um, They were clearly the two tightest uh, of this bunch, you know, they were really close together. When you see them together here, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the first issue... Both of them are relatively well-adjusted, normal people. You do see aspects of their current personality and their past self, like uh, uh, with how Warshak, uh deals with things and how Night Owl is like, uh, his little timidness. But overall, together, they're like normal, competent people. Right. Well, so what he says is still kind of Rorschach-y, but in like a nice way. He says, obviously, I agree. But a group this size seems more like a publicity exercise somehow. It's too big and unwieldy. Like, Rorschach of today would be like, you know, he would never say, obviously, I agree. He would just straight up be like, no, this is for publicity. Group will never listen. You'd leave. Or some bullshit. But no, he's talking like a normal man. Meanwhile, Dr. Manhattan and his wife are ticked off. So she's like, can we please go? Captain Metropolis is like, no, please don't leave. And then he says, somebody has to do it, don't you see? Somebody has to save the world, and that's with uh, Ozymandias' face in his suit, in his Ozymandias suit, and then the next panel, same, like, stance, same everything, but now it's him at the funeral, back to the prayer. Yeah, without going spoilerish into, like, later in the series, just... This has a lot of foreshadowing into it. This yeah. one scene right here. Rereading the whole book changes it entirely. Yeah. It's like when you rewatch a horror movie all over again, so you know where to look for that guy that's coming, or, you know, like rewatching Memento. That's actually a really good one for that. When you rewatch Memento, you're like, oh, fuck, that's why that was like that well before the reveal. So, yeah, yeah, this one's kind of setting up everyone, what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, which is really cool. By the way, the uh, 
the actor in the movie for Night Owl, who you may remember from The Conjuring, and uh, what's the other one that's similar? Not Insidious. Insidious. Uh, if you like him as that, like, oh, he's nice, but he's also sort of evil. What's with this dude? Right. Horror movie, then In the Tall Grass on Netflix. In the Tall Grass? In the Tall Grass. Is it a Netflix original? I think so. Nice. Yeah. I like him. I like him as an actor. I think he's really good. And we're back to the funeral. Right. And the funeral, again, we're not here long, though, because all it is is more of the prayer, uh, which is, O Lord, most mighty, O holy, and most merciful Savior, deliver us not into the... Oh, by the way, it's worth noting that the parts of the thing that they're reading directly relate to the story that's coming up. Um, So like this one, they're talking to, O Lord, most mighty, O holy, and most merciful Savior, deliver us not into the bitter pains... Not pains. The dank kush? Pains of eternal death. Thou knowest, Lord, the secrets of our hearts. Shut not thy merciful ears to our prayers, but spare us, Lord, most holy, O God, most mighty, O holy and merciful Savior. So that's really important because later, over and over again, Dr. Manhattan's being called God. People need to listen to him, yada, yada, stuff like that. And he even says, I think it's when he's on Mars that I hear all your cries and I don't care, stuff like (laughs) that. So I thought that was really cool how they do that. And... Uh, the contrast of him standing there and they put like an aura around him, which is him not getting wet because he's Dr. Manhattan and he can do that kind of stuff with his dope magic. But he says, this is why it's so important for this mini story. Thou most worthy judge eternal, suffer us not at our last hour for any pains of death to fall from thee. Because this is where you go to the thing. Again, showing how bad comedian is, they go back to Nam, which is Dr. Manhattan saved... Us, you know, he won Nam for yep. America. Uh, obviously, we know that's not how history went, but um, it's just showing you there's fireworks in the background, and comedian says, "Goddamn fireworks!" You thought this country had enough? They've been here for a while. They've won the war, and comedian's talking about how he is ready to go. He is ready to get the first chopper out. out of there. Yeah, first, first, pl- first chopper out. And Doctor Man's like, "You're anxious to leave." This one again, Doctor Manhattan seems a little human he's kind of talking in a very conversational like why would you you know he's he's sympathetic to nam not to dr man or comedian and his expressions are less why am i putting up with this human and more of ooh, why are you the way you are because he even calls him out you sound bitter you sound you're a strange man blake you have strange attitudes to life and war that's something dr manhattan wouldn't concern him with self with at all he knows the answer quote-unquote in modern times for the story he shouldn't be concerning himself with all this but you know uh comedian calls it a joke again and he's the charred villages the boys with necklaces of human ears these are a part of the joke <laughs> and comedian's like hey i never said <laughs> it was a good, good joke. joke i'm just playing along with the gag and then we see good old dick yeah dicky nick standing up there putting his 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 victory pose <laughs> out which is kind of awesome. He, so he's fla- he flashed that twice, right? He flashed it after his reg- resignation as he was leaving for good. But didn't he also flash it for Nam? I don't remember. He flashed it for something, which is why the the which is why all the hippies used it as a protest because that's I learned that actually not long ago, a few months ago on a podcast. I had no idea that that was a protest symbol throughout the '60s and '70s, and then it kind of morphed into peace and love. Yeah, it was originally like, "Hey Nixon." Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And then everyone was like, we should be promoting peace. And everyone's like, oh, so that means peace? Of course it means mm-hmm. peace. No, it was more like a middle finger to what I like to call Dickie Nick. Oh. 
Tricky Dick. Tricky Dick Nick. Yeah, Tricky there Dick Nick. Um, so the comedian's uh, at a bar and he's getting something to drink and he's talking about how bad the alcohol is. And this woman shows up, a pregnant woman. And oh, he's this just scene like, is so brutal in the movie. It's good though. Yeah. It's exact. It's yep. exact in the movie. So he's like, oh God, just what I needed. And she's basically like, okay, the war's over, Eddie. We need to talk about this. I have a baby. And he's like, all right. Nothing to talk about. F you, F your family, F your country. I won't, I won't remember you. I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah, he doesn't care about some Vietnamese Dude, he doesn't give pregnant two woman. Shits, but the problem is the difference between comedian and anyone else is he doesn't care right to your goddamn face. Like most yep. people would be like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about it. I'll, uh, how about we have breakfast tomorrow? And then just ghost you. Yeah, and then just not show up. I'm taking the first chopper out. But instead, he's an asshole. So she's like, oh, you will remember this country. You will remember this as long as you live. And she slices his face with a broken bottle that she picked up off. Oh, yeah, it shows her break it on the table, actually. Yeah, yeah, I had to go back and read. I was like, where? I mean, look at it. Where yeah. did that bottle come from? I'm like, oh, okay, the hand that's right what, there, then it breaks. That's what makes reading, especially a comic like this with so much like density to it, so great. You, you, you literally can't just read the text, and you also can't just look at the pictures. It's, she picks it up off the table. When she breaks it, he turns around because obviously he hears it, and she slashes his face over open so he's like oh you bitch rah, 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 pulls out a gun as he pulls it out dr manhattan can tell and he's like blake he pulls it up to him and blake's like you lousy piece of and comedian or uh, dr man all he says is blake don't and he shoots her shoots her dead right in the bar well he says don't do it but the do it part is like right post shot yep. yeah but this is one of those like changing moments for dr manhattan you know, medic, he, you know, comedian's off to get a medic, and he says, Blake, she was pregnant. You gunned her down. And the comedian points him, <laughs> not to give him any credit, yeah. but he you, points out. You watch me. You could have changed the gun into steam, or the bullets into mercury, or the bottle into snowflakes. You could have teleported either of us to goddamn Australia, but you didn't lift a finger. You really don't give a damn about human beings. I've watched you. You never cared about what's-her-name Jenny Slater even before you ditched her. Soon you won't even be interested in Sally Jupiter's little gal either. Ooh. You're drifting out of touch, Doc. Because this is similar to Rorschach's moment later on. That is the moment that Dr. Manhattan went from human with powers to just a god. Just a science. He is science personified. Fuck the emotion. Fuck the human element. He's pure knowledge. Um, and I feel like that's kind of his big moment of, wow, I don't understand humanity at all. He just killed a pregnant woman and I didn't do anything. Yeah. The comedian was pretty, pretty spot on with his analysis of, uh, cause up until this point, it just seems like he's Dr. Manhattan is trying his best to care, but comedian's just like, no, you're full of shit. But also the best part is he even, the comedian says, which is sort of out of character as he walks away, almost as if he's realizing that what he did was fucked. But what Dr. Manhattan did was fucked too, is he says, God help us all. That's not really something he would necessarily say or believe until later when we hear him crying. Um, but yeah, he is very clearly like torn up over it and he's kind of scared for the future. So then Dr. Manhattan's looking over the dead body, which instantly turns us back to the funeral. For as much as it hath pleased Almighty God of his great mercy to take unto himself the soul of our dear brother here departed, we therefore commit his body to the ground. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, 
and you that each one of those is set over a panel of one of the three people ozymandias dr manhattan night owl and it moves us right into night owl's story i do like how this three panel is actually drawn because you could do this one picture as one panel right because each uh, panel bleeds over into the next one. so you... It is one panel more or less, yeah. But because it's done in a three-panel way, it highlights each of the uh, characters. And their expressions. Adrian Veidt is kind of like sullen. Dr. Manhattan is curious. And Danny Baby is just crying. Yeah, he's <laughs> sad sack Danny. He's, he's, he's sad again. But this part, again, each of these is way shorter than I thought because it takes you a little while to read them, but they're only two pages worth. Well, two, yeah. two and a half. Um, is when they're in the city. They're in downtown, let's say, New York. And there's riots happening all over the streets because there's a police strike. So, police are on strike. Let's fucking tear it up and loot and do everything. And they're trying to contain some everyone. So, obviously, Night Owl is going in about the, Hey, everybody, please be calm. We need to clear the streets. Why can't we just all get along? Yeah, everybody go home. And I, and the comedian's like, Ah, oh, would you look at this? Ah, oh, what a beautiful sight. I got right gas. I got rubber yeah. bullets. I'm gonna fuck you motherfuckers up. So, while freaking night owls being an idiot he gets hit in the face with a can and that's when he's like all right that's you know what loud and clear this is what we're gonna do and he jumps down and just starts freaking he throws a tear gas bomb into the middle he's what is he he moves his mask a little bit or something i think that's what he's doing in the bottom panel there in the middle um yeah he is he he removes the the bot like the the mouth part of his mask oh yeah um why he does it i'm not entirely sure but then he's laughing ha look at him run you suckers like he's taking extreme pleasure in just hurting r- crowds which don't get me wrong these are rioters and like they're destroying everything around him but he's enjoying it and uh night owl's trying to defuse not the crowd anymore he's trying to defuse the situation of the comedian Oh, that's why he's putting on a gas mask. That's what he's doing. Because oh, he threw yeah. the smoke grenade out. Um, but yeah, he's like, you know, the cops are out and everything's happening. And he says, we're, the, we're society's only protection. We keep it up as long as we have to. And Night Owl's like, protection from what? And he says, from themselves. Don't you feel comfortable? Unle- or Yeah, don't you feel comfortable unless you're up against some schmuck in a Halloween suit? Like, this is actually one of the really important parts about Comedian is, yes, he is a vigilante. He is upholding the law. But not in the way of beating supervillains, in the way of literally, like, people are fucked up, and the ones that are misbehaving, he's kind of one of those, like, for lack of better words, death penalty guys. He's just like, oh, you did something bad? You're gonna pay. And everyone's gonna pay. Kind of mess. Oh, and this is where you see Watchmen for, I think, the first time. Oh, yeah. Who watches the Watchmen? Yeah, kids are painting who watches the Watchmen onto it. And, you know, freaking. Night Owl's crying his goddamn eyes out, and he's like, but the country's disintegrating. What happened to America? What happened to the American dream? Comedian's like, well, it came true. You're looking at it. Now, come on, let's really put these jokers through some changes, and he walks off into the smoke and fire. Oh, there is an important thing while they're talking. Uh, Let's see. When he's talking about Rorschach. uh, Oh, right, right, right. he, uh, He works mostly on his own these days. Rorschach's been nuts He's been nuts ever since that kidnapping he handled three years ago. Him, Byron Lewis, which is Mothman. Yep. John, goddamn walking H-bomb, Osterman. Oh, Osterman, that's his last name. Yeah. All nuts. So three years prior to this, something happened to Rorschach, which turned him from man that can complete sentences to <laughs> man who doesn't know what grammar is. To Rorschach. Um, 
that's one of my favorite panels or issues moments whatever the hell you want to call it when we get rorschach's backstory it's incredible but then we get back to the funeral which is now everybody's just kind of throwing dirt on top and, and putting in what they want and the and the the prayer is still going on whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself i heard a voice from heaven saying unto me yada 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 and so night owl's contribution to it is he's gonna drop in the button so dan's got the got the smiley face it's been cleaned off at this point whether from the rain or john clean or uh, dan cleaned it off himself who knows which these cops suck because that's evidence yeah shit yeah i don't know but that's okay it's it, the world's all set to hell so he drops it in there in the background you see a guy come up and put a bouquet of roses down on the grave uh ozymandias and dan are, are shaking and dr manhattan says goodbye to everybody you don't see him leave but i'm sure he does but at this point the guy who put the roses down is leaving and as he walks out the gate you see the guy with the sign the homeless man oh watches and, him leave and the bible verse all while you see the, the homeless man and lead us not into temptation but deliver us deliver us from evil amen yep the <laughs> end is nigh guy and then it goes to this old man who's going into his apartment goes to open his fridge and rorschach comes busting out of the fridge to get him which is just the most awesome way to to get somebody <laughs> like if you ever double cross me i'm hiding in your fridge and when you go to get milk i'm coming at you unless you're going to get out like some some like uncut baloney and you have a big dagger in your hand <laughs> and you're gonna cut it yourself and i jump right into the knife yeah. fridge might not be the best thing to hide in we all hide in your oven you got a big oven here could I fit in your oven? Could I fit in your oven? I could probably fit in your oven. So Rorschach's there and he's interrogating this guy and he's screaming at him that he saw him. Oh, it also gives us all the names of Moloch. Edgar William Jacoby, also known as Edgar William Vaughn, also known as William Edgar Bright, also known as Moloch. He probably changed his name a lot because of the shit he got about yep. being Moloch. Because in... um. Under the hood, I think it tells you his one of his yep. names. So he probably caught a lot of shit and had to change it. But anyways, he's just like, I'm a retired businessman. Please don't. And, Doc, and Rorschach's like, another lie and I break your arm. And this is where we find out. I don't really think the dialogue is necessarily overly important really quick. But this is no. just where we find out that this is Moloch. And the reason he was at the funeral was because the comedian, who you didn't know was Edward Blake, showed up to his house a week ago without his mask on, bawling his eyes out at the foot of his bed. And then the next 18 panels we get is all of that dialogue. that conversation, yeah. Which, the gist of it is that the comedian stumbled upon information. He found a list of names of people that were tied to Dr. Manhattan, which we find out later is the whole cancer thing. And he doesn't quite under... I, I think, I guess is the way I interpret this, even after having read it a few times, he doesn't exactly know what he found. He just knows that he found a greater conspiracy that would lead to the destruction of the earth. Or at least the death of so many people. Yeah, so... That's kind of what I got from this. He was going somewhere, maybe on business. Well, he worked for the government, yeah, yeah. so he was going anywhere. And he saw this island, writers, scientists, artists. I like how they like bold, important things like that. Yeah. And it's obvious... He's talking about someone who's planning something awful because yeah. he's like, I've killed kids and women and nam, I've done yeah. all these horrible things, but what I saw yeah. was so much worse. And he even says, 
Uh, I saw your name on the list, you and Janie Slater, but if I thought you were in on this, I'd kill you. So he knows that the list was something bigger. It's not that Moloch was important. But he's basically just there crying it out and saying, you know, this is the biggest break for the character. I mean, what's funny? What's so goddamn funny? I don't get it. Someone explain. Somebody explain it to me. The comedian's broken. The joke is on him now. Like, he no longer understands anything of what's going on. He He's always been the guy with the answer, you know, the Ben, so to speak, at, yep. for DJ. He's always been the guy on that brand, but he found something that made no sense to him and that he couldn't explain and that was so much worse than, than that that it, it broke him. He got drunk and he cried his eyes out to his one of the biggest villains of back in the day, uh, and then he just leaves. Just, I'm assuming, jumps out the window and just takes off. Yep, and then we have more dialogue from Moloch and Rorschach where he's like, this is so unbelievable, probably true. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is uh, great. <laughs> let me say it as Rorschach. Funny story. Sounds unbelievable. Probably true. Yeah, because, again, he no longer knows how to speak. And he's like, I searched your whole house before you got back, found illegal drugs. And this is where Moloch's like, no. I mean, yes, they're illegal, but when you think something will work, you'll try anything when you're desperate. And he says that he has cancer, um, the kind that you can't get cured of. And this is really important and also kind of fucked up. Rorschach says, very well, copy down name of company, report them later, you're off hook for now. You're off hook for now. For now. Be seeing you. Keep out of trouble. And he gives Moloch the pills back, which is not something Rorschach would do. So clearly, he's not pure anarchy. Like, yes, those drugs were illegal, but this old man who has never been, got not gotten into any trouble in years and is dying, he gives him, like, the pass. Like, all right, buddy, here you go. Kind of nice, kind of endearing. And then when we get to the next page... The nipple count goes up. Uh, yeah, it does. Yes, it does. By a little bit. And this is also one of the parts where uh, Zack Snyder decided to flush, or, uh, you know, fluff up the movie just a little bit. But anyways, Rorschach's walking home, and he's talking to himself through his journal um, about how, of course, he has to commentate on his day. So he's walking down the street, and he gets offered by a prostitute some sexual favors. And he's like, you know, offered Swedish love and French love, but not American love. American love, like Coke and green glass bottles, <laughs> they don't make it anymore. Did they ever? Yeah. The oh. old school Coke bottles were green. Didn't know. Yeah. So that's all he's saying. He's just like, yeah, you remember when they discontinued that? They've discontinued American love, whatever his version of that may be, which I really don't want to know. But he's headed back to the... It's more that, like, traditional American values right and like all that conservative bullshit but I, that I like they to think, down your throat I like to think he has an idea of what a loving sexual relationship is with a woman I don't want and to it's know probably it messed up yeah but so he he's you know thinking about Moloch's story he goes back to the cemetery 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 yeah why did I say the end so hard yeah. uh and, he, and he's talking about you know could all be lies could all be part of a revenge scheme planned during his decade behind bars but he doesn't know someone's after Dr. Manhattan. What the hell is this island? Stuff is unsolvable. And all he's doing is going back for whatever Rorschach reason. He's paying respects the only way he knows how. And uh, he picks up a rose and puts it on his lapel. But while he's doing this, he's talking over things he remembers of um, Eddie Blake. Uh, before we go into that, I do like this one quote when he's looking over the grave. So that... That when it's done, only your enemies leave roses. That is really nice. And that was actually, remember the, I think I've shown you the tattoo idea I want. It's 
Batman and the it's a Batman and the Joker in a Rorschach painting, and I really want that tattoo because it's my three favorite things: Rorschach, Batman, and uh, Joker. And then I was gonna get a quote, and that was actually one of the ones that was on the docket for potentials. But I'll show you that image again. I think you really dig it. So he's talking about you know violent lives and violently. Dollar Bill got murdered protecting a bank. The silhouette got murdered for being a lesbian by one of her old enemies. Captain Metropolis, I don't remember how he died. We, we heard it in the first issue. I can go back and look in a minute while you're talking. But while he's talking about that, the shit going on in the panels, we're seeing flashbacks of things we've seen of the comedian's life. We're seeing him get the shit kicked out of him by the intruder, throwing him out the window. We're seeing him... Oh, well, this is another one of the ones where it's alternating. The words are telling you what's going on. Well, it's not purely alternating because it goes... In order, it goes, person kicks in... Um, and then alternates no. to that, but also Sally Jupiter getting abused. Yeah, that's that's what's oh. alternating. It's alternating between flashbacks to when he was murdered and flashbacks from earlier. Oh, in the it's issue. just different things that were happening. Yeah, so right, it was right, like right. the murder, then the Sally Jupiter thing, then the murder again, then the burned uh, uh, crime busters meeting. Yep. Then murder again. Then the Vietnamese woman slashing his face. Murder again. Him being in his Leatherman suit. Yeah, his yeah. riot control suit. Back to him getting shit kicked out of him. Him crying in Moloch's room, or in Moloch's, uh, yeah, bedroom. And then I am Pagliacci. Yeah, him getting tossed out. Because this is, everyone's heard this joke from from the comedian, or, I mean, uh, from Rorschach, where man goes to doctor, says he's depressed. That joke is one of the best things ever. Is that a real joke, or did Alan Moore come up with that? Uh, I think it wasn't Alan Moore. I'd have to... Let me look it up real quick. I'm pretty sure it's existed before in different variations. I found it right here. Captain Metropolis was decapitated in a car crash. Oh, yeah, that is what happened. So it's not, you know, really kind of on the same level of everyone else who died who died at someone else's hand, but still pretty bad. But so he tells the, the, the joke about that, and we get to see all this really messed up stuff in the comedian's life. Because this story is at least up to this point, it's about the comedian dying. Like, if, if you had never read this story before, that's all we know right now, is that the comedian's dead, and all, he affected all of these people's lives so greatly. They all have stories, good and bad. They all have impressions, good and bad. Meanwhile, Rorschach's just investigating it. Like, if you'd never read this before, it's up to this point is pretty freaking heavy about who this guy is, who Edward Blake is. Um, and then at the end, you know... Because Rorschach's fucked up. He says, good joke. Everybody laugh. Roll on snare drum. Curtains. And this is where you should see the comedian falling out the window. Just a pure red panel. Which zooms back out to be the roses. And Rorschach puts one on his lapel. His own personal messed up way of an ode to freaking the comedian. I don't know. It's messed up either way. And then we have another Scott Stella uh, quote. Yep. Which every issue ends with a quote. And I'm up while the dawn is breaking. Even though my heart is aching. I should be drinking a toast to absent friends instead of these comedians. Did we read the one on the first issue? I don't think we did. No, we didn't. And that's okay. It was a Bob Dylan quote. At midnight, all the agents and superhuman crew go out and round up everyone who knows more than they do. But anyways. Okay, so uh, the Pagliacci does bear similarities to stories going as far back as 1820s about Grimaldi the Clown. Grimaldi. So, okay, yeah. I've heard that name. So he just did his own term, like, twist on it for this universe. Yep. Because that's what Alan Moore does. He takes people's ideas. What? I'm not saying it. So what was the uh, first chapter quote? 
Uh, the first one's a Bob Dylan quote. It's, uh, oops, I went one page too far. At midnight, all the agents and superhuman crew go out and round up everyone who knows more than they do. So, really nice quote. And then this one was the Elvis Costello one. But then we get the Under the Hood, which this entire Under the Hood is just him recanting his, oh. his up-and-coming time. So, uh, each issue's title comes from the quote that's yeah. being supplied. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you mentioned that. No, I didn't. I was distracted. I didn't. So that's that's a good point to point out. I didn't okay. I didn't say that. Um, the Under the Hood is just about uh, this guy uh, Hollis Mason and how he started out. He explains to you Dollar Bill and how that all went uh, because he was a hired hero. He wasn't some guy who wanted to be it. A bank thought it would be good publicity to make a make a superhero. Oh yeah, so like Chapter Three is mainly about how he started as a superhero on the low from when he was how he got inspired and how he got inspired by it how he got his name and thought through the costume how he got recruited into the minutemen and the other minutemen and then chapter four has a lot to do with what happened to these heroes and where they ended up and he specifically says the comedian uh, though he became a hero in people's eyes because yeah. of what he did in World War II, mm -hmm. that overall he was just a shitty person, and that's how he yep. brought up the uh, the sexual assault. He, this one's this is a really good one. He went on to make a name for himself as a war hero in the Pacific, but all I can think of is the bruises along Sally Jupiter's ribcage and hope to God that America can find itself a better class of hero than that, which unfortunately it didn't. Because even after this book came out, the comedian was still beloved by America, and he was still hired by the government, and regularly working to protect everything. Um, and it also mentions Moloch because the end of the, the chapter explains how the Minutemen broke up because there right. just wasn't any uh, fighting to be done anymore. Right. They had taken care of the crime. Clearly. Like Moloch, who who he brought up, who was a stage magician that went on to these flamboyant mastermind uh, crimes, just ended up being a white-collar uh, criminal. And like, what do you do against that? Yeah. You, you put him in jail, and that's about it. Call it a day. Um, but that was really good. They talk about, you know, how it broke down. They they were forced to kick out uh, the silhouette when she revealed she was a lesbian, which is really fucked up, but that's the times, I guess. Um, and by kicking her out, that's what it was only three weeks later that she got murdered because people yep. found out everything. Um, and at the end, it was just Hooded Justice, Mothman, Captain Metropolis, and, and Night Owl, and they all just decided, well, I guess... And There's before no the war, Hooded Justice had some good things to say about oh, Hitler. Oh, yeah, that's what that's what I was talking about earlier. Yeah, Hooded Justice was on Hitler's side. Which, when we get to the show, I, is why I have some issues with what they chose to do with that. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't been spoiled much from the show, but that's the one thing I know. I, I told you about that in the last issue or episode. The black guy in the wheelchair they think might be Hooded Justice. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And, and I know they revealed Hooded Justice on the most recent episode. but um, Yeah, so I will say that the show takes some liberties here. yeah liberties that's what i meant yeah. <laughs> i was about to say justices because we're yeah. talking about hooded justice justification <laughs> but overall it tries to be faithful yes. to the book especially since they have gibbons as a um showrunner consultant uh, consultant there a consigliere mm. but yeah actually i thought this under the hood was um easier not easier to read but uh, more fun to read than yeah. the first one i was like oh wow i don't know it feels like as you start the book, it's just a book. But as you get to this, you feel like you're reading a real biography. And I think that's just 
a wonderful touch and choice for Alan Moore to make. I think it makes the book more real. That's one of the main reasons why I can understand why Alan Moore said that this is the only medium Mm -hmm. that you can have the story Mm -hmm. because you're mixing both the comic book aspect with this biography and you're mixing these different mediums to like give a more broad story. And you're mixing them later, which I'm, I'm actually surprised we haven't got there yet with another comic book cartoon, uh, the black freighter. Yep. I'm a, I'm a firm advocate that this will be the best retelling of it ever. There is people out there who actually like the movie more and those people are idiots. Yeah. The amount of, so because I talk about it, release podcast by it and Google it all the time, the amount of Watchmen shit I've been getting, you know, the joke about Facebook ads and all that, the amount of Watchmen stuff I've been getting on like my YouTube and stuff is crazy. I see so many articles about which ending was better, why the movie did it right, why the show is going to be this, 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 why uh, Doomsday Clock isn't as successful because there's a better sequel out there. I'm like, okay, I get all that. This could not exist in any other form, though, and the stuff that they're making after the fact can only exist because of this. Like, they are doing it just fine because they have this to go off of not the movie not the before watchman shit like that yep all that stuff fucking sucks in comparison that's why they're able to grow on it i don't know i don't really like it but yes i agree with you having this this in the back it, it adds so much depth to the book and and i don't know it makes it better the under the hood i did not read my first actually like two times reading through this book i didn't even read it until a few years ago after i watched the movie again and i reread watchman i had skipped over this under the hood stuff so much because it's like I'm reading a comic. I don't want to read a book. Why would I want to read a book in here? No, it's so much better. It's dramatically worth your time. And of course, this is my first time reading it. Right. You didn't have it on the first go. Yep. Fucking awesome, man. Fucking great book. Oh, oh, oh. Give me a rating. Obviously for me, 10 out of 10 on issue two. Hmm. Yeah. Like, um, I can understand why this would get a lower rating if it was your first time reading it but now that i like know what happens this is definitely 10 of 10 there's so much that's set up so much foreshadowed so many good literary devices and like thing and just comic book techniques that they used that it it, good (laughs) yeah it's It's good really it's good the the, the only thing i'll say and this is what i think is just so masterful about the two people who made this uh versus because you know alan moore's not my favorite writer of all time grant morrison is and he doesn't write anything like this he does his own out there thing his ability to tell you a fully fleshed out emotional weighted story in only three pages all those little mini stories about his backstory depending on ozymandias dr man his ability to give you an entire story in three pages of comic book is and and keep that story tied into the greater 30 page issue we there's what i would say probably six stories in this issue you've got the funeral yep. which is told over you know in pieces you have sally jupiter and her uh, and her daughter Lori. you have ozymandias's dr manhattan and night owls and then you get rorschach's at the no and then you get rorschach's and then you get moloch's flashback in the middle of it and you uh forgot um Wait, did you include the flashback of Sally as part of the story with her in the I org? Di- no, I didn't even do that. Yeah. That, that would all... Like, his ability to put so many elements, have them all tied together thematically and in a way that makes freaking sense. Yeah, there's actually, like, three different layers. There's the base of 
this is a flashback. Right. There's, this is the flashback, how it ties into the rest of the issue. Right. And then it's what these elements tie into the rest of the story right. as you read later on and further issues. Yeah. Also, by the way, Rorschach still investigating. Yep. Like they keep that thread going. It's just 10 out of 10. Love it so much. But all right. Final thoughts. You good? Yeah, that was superb. I look forward to the third uh, issue. Uh, third issue, I've, I've said earlier, what I like a lot, but the fourth issue is the one I'm getting really excited about. Is little teaser for the next issue. Do we you, finally get into the Black Freighter? You finally get into the Black Freighter, and we get Blue Dog. Blue Dog, baby! You get a hot foursome, a hot orgy action that only involves two people. Yeah. A little sprinkle of flavor on the top of that, but Blue otherwise... Race. Look forward to that next time. This has been the second Watchmen episode of Men... Well, actually, this has been like the fifth, but of our little thing. Second episode of Watchmen on Men of the Machine. I'm Kevin. I'm Craig. And thanks for dropping that can. It's alive. It's alive. I was busy dreaming about taking you apart. And as you can see, over here we have the Men of the Machine.